welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this third Tuesday after Epiphany, the 23rd of January, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Christmas. There are no feasts, festivals, or commemorations on the calendar today. Our readings for today are Psalm 139, Psalm 81, Joel chapter 2, verses 18 through 32, Romans starting with chapter 11, verse 25, and reading through chapter 12, verse 13, and paragraphs 32 through 46 of part 4 of the Large Catechism. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 139th Psalm. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in, behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. O that you would slay the wicked, O God! O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 81st Psalm. Sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. 
he made a decree in Joseph, when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you with the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts, to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies, and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Joel, and we will be reading the second chapter, verses 18 through 32. Then the Lord became jealous for his land, and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, and you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you, and drive him into a parched and desolate land, his vanguard into the eastern sea, and his rearguard into the western sea. The stench and foul smell of him will rise, for he has done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rain as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain, the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my Spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, 
and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of Romans, and we will be reading from verse 25 of the 11th chapter through verse 13 of the 12th chapter. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the nations has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved, as it is written, The Deliverer will come from Zion, he will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. O oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments, and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him, that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in prayer, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Large Catechism, and we will be reading Part 4, paragraphs 32 through 46. In the third place, since we have learned baptism's great benefit and power, let us see further who is the person that receives what baptism gives and profits. 
This is again most beautifully and clearly expressed in the words, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. That is, faith alone makes the person worthy to receive profitably the saving divine water. Since these blessings are presented here and promised through the words in and with the water, they cannot be received in any other way than by believing them with the heart. Without faith it profits nothing, even though baptism is in itself a divine overwhelming treasure. Therefore this single phrase, whoever believes, does so much. It excludes and repels all the works that we can do, when we suppose that we gain and merit salvation by our works. For it is determined that whatever is not faith does nothing or receives nothing. But if the new spirits say, as they are accustomed, still baptism is itself a work, and you say works are of no use for salvation, what then becomes of faith? Answer, yes, our works indeed do nothing for salvation. Baptism, however, is not our work, but God's. For as was stated, you must completely distinguish Christ's baptism from a bathkeeper's baptism. God's works are saving and necessary for salvation. They do not exclude, but demand faith. For without faith, they could not be grasped. By allowing the water to be poured upon you, you have not yet received baptism in a way that benefits you at all. But it becomes beneficial to you if you have yourself baptized with this thought. This is according to God's command and ordinance, and besides, it is done in God's name. In this way you may receive the promised salvation in the water. Now your fist cannot do this, nor your body, but the heart must believe it. So you see plainly that there is no work done here by us, but a treasure which God gives us and faith grasps. It is like the benefit of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross, which is not a work, but a treasure included in the word. It is offered to us and received by faith. Therefore the new spirits violate us by shouting against us, as though we preach against faith. For we alone insist upon it as being so necessary that without it nothing can be received or enjoyed. So we have these three parts, which must be known about this sacrament, especially that God's ordinance is to be held in all honor. The sacrament alone would be enough, even though it is an entirely outward thing. It is like the commandment, Honor your father and your mother, which refers to bodily flesh and blood. In these words, we do not think about the flesh and blood, but God's commandment, in which flesh and blood are included, and on account of which the flesh is called father and mother. So even if we had only these words, go and baptize, or such, it would be necessary for us to accept them and do them as God's ordinance. Now there is not only God's commandment and injunction here, but also the promise. Because of this, baptism is still far more glorious than whatever else God has commanded and ordained. It is, in short, so full of consolation and grace that heaven and earth cannot understand it, but it requires skill to believe this, for the treasure is not lacking, but this is lacking, people who grasp it and hold it firmly. Therefore, every Christian has enough in baptism to learn and to do all his life, for he has always enough to do by believing firmly what baptism promises and brings, victory over death and the devil, forgiveness of sins, God's grace, the entire Christ, and the Holy Spirit with his gifts. 
In short, baptism is so far beyond us that if timid nature could realize this, it might well doubt whether it could be true. Think about it. Imagine there was a doctor somewhere who understood the art of saving people from death or, even though they died, could restore them quickly to life so that they would afterward live forever. Oh, how the world would pour in money like snow and rain. No one could find access to him because of the throng of the rich. But here in baptism, there is freely brought to everyone's door such a treasure and medicine that it utterly destroys death and preserves all people alive. We must think this way about baptism and make it profitable for ourselves. So when our sins and conscience oppress us, we strengthen ourselves and take comfort and say, Nevertheless, I am baptized, and if I am baptized, it is promised to me that I shall be saved and have eternal life both in soul and body. For that is the reason why these two things are done in baptism. The body, which can grasp nothing but the water, is sprinkled and, in addition, the word is spoken for the soul to grasp. Now since both the water and the word make one baptism, therefore body and soul must be saved and live forever. The soul lives through the word, which it believes, but the body lives because it is united with the soul and also holds on through baptism as it is able to grasp it. We have, therefore, no greater jewel in body and soul, for by baptism we are made holy and are saved. No other kind of life, no work upon earth can do this. Let this be enough about baptism's nature, blessing, and use, for it fulfills the present purpose. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church. I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in whatever calling has been given you, or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.